Vaughn Palmer with us this morning from the Vancouver Sun. We've been talking about this for the last couple of days, Vaughn. We've got the state of emergency. We'll be talking to Mike Farnworth later this morning. And I could, the big question is kind of, I guess, what took so long? Well, what took so long was Premier John Horgan had said it wasn't necessary and that the whole idea of a state of emergency was something cooked up by the B.C. Liberal partisans out there who uh, just wanted to stir up trouble. There was no need for a state of emergency. It wouldn't make any difference whatsoever. Well, we heard from Mike Farnworth yesterday what difference it makes. Uh, Farnworth was quite clear in explaining that he had called a state of emergency because uh, he'd been advised to do so, uh, the wildfire experts uh, and so forth, the people who fight the things. Uh, Weather was turning ugly, fires were spreading, and the number of evacuations was growing. So farmers said, look, because he got asked, well, what, what will this allow you to do that you couldn't do before? He said, well, The thing that the state of emergency does is it empowers the minister and the government to act very quickly in the face of spreading wildfires. And that's what the advocates have been saying all along. It isn't just that you can commandeer resources and rustle up people and all that stuff. The the emergency powers allow you to act quickly, and we've known for a while, Simi, the fires are spreading quickly. These fires, some of them are mm-hmm. unprecedented, how fast they spread. So farmer said, for instance, that um, with the growing number of quick-spreading fires and the growing number of evacuation orders, local facilities are being overwhelmed. There's no places to send people if they have to evacuate because the motels and hotels are full. So he wants those powers at hand that he can use quickly in an emergency. And that, as I say, Simi, is what people who've been advocating this have been saying all along. It isn't just that we need it at this moment. We need it to have available because Farmworth needs to act quickly. I feel like it was that forecast about the winds picking up that caused quite a bit of concern, right? Because if the winds pick up and it's already so dry, this could be even worse. Sure. And again, we've had, we had reports, news reports that uh, local, that some places um, it was all very well to put out an evacuation order. There was no place for people to go. The local facilities were already overwhelmed. Uh, Hotels, motels, community centers. And again, that's why, you know, the premier's partisan hectoring on this issue aside, it, the news reports made it clear it was local fire chiefs, local mayors, councillors, regional districts that were all saying, no, we need these powers now. We need this declaration now because it's getting worse. We need to be able to act quickly. And all of that is the reason these calls for uh, a province-wide state of emergency were out there. I mean, we had some local states of emergency, but, you know, in order to, in order to be ready to act, um, it would need to be a province-wide declaration. And it's not as if it's unprecedented to have one of those. We had one in 2003. We had one in 2017. We had one in 2018. Uh, And we've had one for most of the last 18 months because of the pandemic. So it's not like these powers were being abused. It's not like 
in some cases, they were made available so you could act quickly, even mm-hmm. though in some cases the powers weren't being used. It, it did seem to me yesterday when I heard that they were taking this step that, oh, okay, is this, is this another case of a minister having to clean up a little bit when the premier said something that he probably shouldn't have? Yeah, I mean, look, um, it is true that in the past, states of emergency have been declared on the advice of wildfire um, and emergency officials. That's true. That's where the recommendation comes from. The political problem that was created around this was twofold. One, it was the premier saying, no, 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 this is just politics. This, is, this isn't you know, there. It isn't necessary. It's just politics. It wouldn't make any difference. That's, that's the first problem. Um, the second problem, also political, is that there was a, a, a feeling, a sense a grievance in the north and interior of the province, and you pick this up on their local news media and from their local officials, there was a feeling that they were being ignored and overlooked because they don't have very many NDP MLAs to advocate for their position in the legislature uh, with the government. And Um, The smoke hadn't invaded the lower mainland yet, or Vancouver Island, Uh, so the big big city uh, wasn't dealing with it, and, you know, here we are out in the hinterlands in rural British Columbia, north in the interior, and nobody cares about us anymore. I mean, there is a political dimension, and you could say there's a political dimension to everything in Mm -hmm. British Columbia, but there was a political dimension to this. I think that's why... The, the premier's remarks on it, which was just John Horgan playing politics, were seen as so obnoxious I in guess. parts of the province where the NDP doesn't have a lot of representation. I guess what I find so hard about these self-inflicted wounds that politicians tend to incur is why take that attitude with it, right? Like, why not just say... Um, you know what? We may still do that. We're looking at it. We'll have to. We're checking day by day. Why just? Why take that attitude? Well, you're right. Uh, you know, premiers get to be where they are because they're good at politics. They take control True. of their parties. They win elections from all that. But one of the great lines of advice that I recall from my my centuries covering BC politics <laughs> is a piece of advice that was given to Glenn Clark after he won the 1996 election and just kept playing partisan politics every day afterward. And Dan Miller, who was later to become a premier and one of the key ministers in his government, said to Clark, Glenn, you won the election. Stop campaigning. Get on with governing. And, and really, uh, you know, I, I don't expect John Horgan to take my advice, but that is very good advice. You've won it the is. election. Now get on with governing. There's plenty of time to get ready for the next election. It's there on the books. But, you know, you don't need to play victory partisan politics every day. So true, so true. Um, also, an update on the investigation into the deaths during the heat dome. Yeah, so the the coroner, uh, Lisa LaPlante, has been keeping uh, track of suspected uh, heat dome deaths. Uh, she's put out numbers of excess deaths during that period. 
the count has gone over 800. If you look back at the same period historically, we were averaging about 200 deaths through there. So it's suspected over 600 now. Uh, it's interesting what she's doing. Uh, sent out a, the coroner's office sent out a letter to all the province's uh, doctors, saying surgeons and physicians, saying, um, if you uh, come across, if you were aware of a suspected death where heat was a factor, so suspected of being a factor, don't issue a medical certificate of death, which is what uh, physicians and surgeons normally do, pass those cases on to the coroner's office because we want to have a complete record. Um, you may be wondering, I did, how, what can they do? Can the coroner really have 600 coroner's inquests? Yeah. The option in legislation, Simi, is for the coroner to appoint a panel with coroner powers to look at the deaths collectively. So it's a death review panel. It will do the same thing. It will review all the deaths, look at all the things that we can learn, offer advice for the future, because coroner isn't really a, a blame-placing exercise, uh, but it sheds a lot of light on what happened. So my understanding from dealing with the coroner's office is that's what they're looking at as an option. We will hear when they figure out you know, within reason, how many heat-related deaths they have or how many suspected heat-related deaths they have, they'll let us know. I see um, we had a lot more than Washington and Oregon. Yeah. Washington and Oregon are reporting in the range of around 100. Uh, Penny Daflos of CTV has had a report on this. Uh, if our count ends up being 600, that's many more deaths here than happened in Washington and Oregon. Yeah, that seems like a strange anomaly with those numbers there. But okay, thank you very much for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Sam.